Morning to people who listen to sermons online. Um, I get emails during the week from folks all around and some of our people who are vacationing or listening to sermons. And uh, so we pray for safe travels. This morning I'm very aware of, um, of Dallas, Texas and St. Paul, Baton Rouge, other places around the world. And, uh, and this sounds a little bizarre, but what a privilege it is to preach the gospel in these places of pain and suffering. Because what if there were no gospel? What if there were no church? And yet today, two of my friends, Matthew Ruffner at uh, Preston Hollow in Dallas, Joe Clifford at First Presbyterian Church in Dallas, I sent emails to them this morning and said, our church... And I, we're, we're all praying for both of you and others. As you stand in your pulpits this morning to proclaim hope, forgiveness, reconciliation, peace, all the fruits of the Spirit, really, in your city this morning, let us pray. Lord, we do pray for those who stand to preach and for those who listen to gospel this morning. We pray for those who are suffering, who need so desperately these fruit in their lives, who need so desperately your love and reconciliation. Our world needs you, O Lord. We thank you for this truth as we pause in this moment. Speak to us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm preaching this series on the fruit of the Spirit, and we've come to the fruit of patience. And my wife, I wish she weren't here today. (laughs) She's in the choir, and and she knows I know absolutely nothing about this topic. (laughs) So I tried to find a guest preacher, but I couldn't wait for anybody to call me back. So I just had to write it myself. Um, Paul wrote these words to the very first early Christians, and you ought to begin to know this by heart. So let's try to see if you can start to memorize this. By the end of uh, this series, I'd love for us to be saying this together. But I know you'll, you'll fumble a bit, but see if you can get these nine fruit. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. The word of the Lord. Now, the the writer Oren uh, Arnold is famous for a little prayer he wrote years ago. Dear God, I pray for patience, and I want it right now. Yeah, that's the way a lot of us are. And it's interesting to me that of the nine fruit, now these are very selective uh, that Paul gives to the early church. These nine characteristics of God dwell within us. These aren't your personality traits that Paul's talking about. These are God's personality traits. So when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he's not talking about something you have to go out and manufacture. Richard Hayes reminds us, 
You can't manufacture fruit. These are traits of God that dwell within us. And it just strikes me that if there's only nine, and you're going to be very selective about which nine these are, one of them is patience. God wouldn't give us something we don't need. So obviously patience is a big deal. If you're human, you have to wait for things. You have to wait all the time. We used to be better at it. When I was a child, we had homemade ice cream. We had to wait for it. You put it in a tank and you packed it full of ice and you put rock salt on it and put a towel on the top and this is before the electric motors. Those don't count. That's for sissies. I'm talking about real homemade ice cream where you had to hand crank it and usually your dad would get it started and then he'd say, come here, boy, (laughs) you know, and that's what we were for, that and changing the channels. That's why you have children. Now you don't need them. Anyway, there's um, homemade ice cream. You had to wait for it and the anticipation We don't anticipate much of anything anymore because it's all so rapid. The Wizard of Oz only came on one Sunday night per year. Oh, we waited for it. We knew it was coming. We've seen it a hundred times, but we want to see it this time. Every year, one Sunday night, they'd even let youth fellowship out early. You got to go home. Why? We got to see the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it was a big deal. We used to have to wait. There were no microwaves, no fast food restaurants. You waited for your food. You had to cook it. And we used to have to wait for film to be developed from our cameras. Now we don't even have cameras. We have phones. We had to wait for a letter to come in the mail. I'm going to send you a letter. Should be there in two or three days. Now you come into the office and you have 120 emails from last night. We used to have to wait to get to a phone that was tied to a wall. And so if you were out in your car, you weren't talking on the phone. And if something happened, you had to think, okay, now, how do I call somebody? I mean, where is the, remember this question? This question is a dead question. Where is the nearest phone? And the answer today is it's in your pocket. Technology has sped us up so much in good ways and in challenging ways. I wouldn't say bad ways, but speed dials. I I hardly even know anybody's phone numbers anymore. I just know you're number three. Email, cell phones, GPS, the internet, texting. These are things my parents and my grandparents wouldn't even know what these are. If my, You could bring my father back today and you'd say, uh, Dad, do you know what texting is? My guess is he'd say, no, son, but it sounds immoral. <laughs> we can record TV shows and skip all the commercials. We, we can't wait. 
And, and you can watch TV in half the time and not have to see all of that. No waiting. You can even start your car before you get in it. Although I don't know why you would want to. But you can. We are now deep into a culture that has conditioned us not to wait. We come in in the morning, if we crank up our computers and they're slow, we're aggravated. And used to, we had to wait for ice cream. Now transfer all that conditioning into big issues in life and you'll see the problem we've got. Because what's it like to have to wait for lab results from a, bi- uh, from a biopsy? Oh, it's awful. We'll know sometime the end of next week your results. Or what's it like to wait to see if the treatment is working on the cancer? Come back in a month, we'll tell you whether this did any good, we'll try something else if this doesn't. This is, this is just unthinkable. You have to wait. What's it like to wait for your young adult child to get through a difficult time in their life, praying every day for that child? And yet seeing no change and waiting and waiting for them, like the prodigal, to come to their senses. It's a tough wait. And what's it like this morning to wait for justice and peace in Baton Rouge and St. Paul and Dallas and other parts of our world this morning? Waiting, hoping for a world we've lost that will never be the same in those places and maybe in no place. What's it like to wait for God to answer your prayers? We live in a culture that conditions us not to wait, and yet we all have to wait. Things don't happen on your schedule or on your clock, although we wish they would, they don't. And it is the Holy Spirit within us that of all the nine traits you could pick, if you could... Take and pick nine traits of God's personality and pull them off a tree and say, these are the nines I I need. Would you have ever thought to pick one of them as patience? I don't think so. That's how desperately we need it. Not my patience. I don't have much. But the patience of God. There's an art to knowing when to wait, though, and when not to wait. I'm sure the people who have been inflicted with all of this violence this past week don't want to hear a sermon this morning on waiting. They want to do something. And there's a wisdom in knowing when to wait and when not to. My first church, a hundred years ago, was... Uh, in a little community called Moyoc, North Carolina. Now, Moyoc is when you leave Virginia on the way to the Outer Banks. It's the first community in North Carolina. It's a blinking light. And if, you, if you're not paying attention, you're going to fly through it. 
And there's a whole story about how I got there that's pretty funny, but that's not in my sermon this morning. But I must have been 25 or 26 years old, and I was the pastor of this small church. Now, I personally now think that should be against the law to be a pastor at 25. I mean, what do you know? Although they think they know everything. But I was um, probably under a fair amount of stress because there was one Sunday afternoon that I developed severe abdominal pain. And I got in the bed and I was writhing with pain and I was rolling from one side of the bed to the other. And my wife, Catherine, called Dr. Rom, the only doctor in town, little country doctor, wise as an owl, uh, you know, and Dr. Rom was riding his horse. I remember this. And his wife, Norma, got a hold of him somehow. It wasn't by a cell phone. But anyway, he came over to, uh, to the manse on his horse with his little black bag and made a house call. Do any, are you, some of you old enough to remember house calls? And he came in and he walked into the bedroom and he says, so what's going on? I said, well, I'm dying, Dr. Rom. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i in such pain, I can't even stay still. I'm just moving from one side to the other. And I remember he said, well, uh, he poked and prodded a minute. And then he said, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to do anything. I don't know if you saw the movie, The Exorcist. It's not a great movie. But anyway, I set up... <laughs> And my head went 360 all the way around, and I said in a demonic voice, You're going to do what? <laughs> and he said, Well, I'm just going to wait. I want to watch your symptoms. <laughs> I'm going to go in here and have some coffee with Catherine <laughs> while you die. <laughs> He came back in 47 days later, felt like to me, and he said, uh, well, I I think we know what it is now, and uh, gave me a shot of God's greatest gift to to the earth, Demerol. And I went night-night for about a day and a half. I learned something from wise old Dr. Rom that day. There's a time to be patient, and there's a time to act, and the wisdom is knowing the difference between the two. Fools rush in. He could have treated me immediately and masked my pain, but never gotten to my illness. And so he waited. Sometimes in the waiting is where we encounter God. Before we rush in and fix things and do things and, and lay our type A personalities on the table, sometimes in the waiting, in the vacuum, in the space, is where we encounter the holy. The Bible knows about waiting. It's not foreign to the Bible because it says things like this, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord, the psalmist writes, which implies there are times when it seems the Lord is not doing anything. 
If I'm having to wait for God, apparently God is not on the scene or God is not active or there's not anything going on that looks like God to me. I'm having to wait for the Lord. Why can't the Lord be on time? I'm convinced God has never seen a clock. Doesn't know what one is. We created time. We created seconds and minutes and hours and days and months and years. God knows nothing of this. And so why am I having to wait on God? Where is God that I'm having to wait on God? Why isn't God working instantaneously in this world? It's a mystery. But the Bible knows about it. But it is for you, O Lord, the psalmist writes, that I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer me. And this one you know by heart. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That sounds good. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's true. Well, there's a vacuum in waiting. And we're not good at it anymore. But waiting is not a mistake. It is a way of life. The question is how you wait. In the aftermath of all these killings, our nation now waits for justice and peace and reconciliation in cities like St. Paul and Baton Rouge and Dallas. But beyond that, we are waiting for a world that is not filled with violence and hate. We're waiting for that. Will it ever be? We wait for equality of all human beings, regardless of their socioeconomic status or their education or or their color or their creed. We're waiting for equality where everybody is seen as a child of God and valuable in the eyes of God, a world without discrimination. We're waiting for this. We wait for a world in which human beings are treated with dignity, all human beings, and respect. And we are waiting for a world in which everyone recognizes the sovereignty and the grace of Almighty God and responds with lives of gratitude and obedience and praise. What a world that would be. Is it too much to ask for this? Are we naive in our waiting? See, in our patience, we are called upon to bear these fruit of God's presence within us. So in a sense, we are laboring while we wait. A farmer waits for his or her crop to yield a harvest. They wait, they have to. But that farmer does not simply go out and stare at a barren field and wait for a harvest. That would be a fool's game. Oh, no. The farmer tills that dirt, pulls out those weeds, removes those rocks and forms those rows and plants those seeds. 
and buys fertilizer and applies it and at times needs to add irrigation, prayers are offered at that farmer's table and that farmer labors as he or she waits. Having patience does not mean doing nothing. It more likely means doing everything and then waiting for God to do the things we cannot do. It is a gift, patience. And I would imagine that everybody in this room and everybody listening online this morning is waiting for something. Some of you are waiting for test results. Others are waiting for a job offer to come or a college acceptance letter. There are couples this morning waiting for their first child. And there are other couples waiting for their marriage to heal after a lot of pain. There are parents this morning waiting for a son or a daughter to come to their senses. Somebody in here or or listening is waiting for forgiveness, either to receive it or to muster up the courage to give it. And there are those waiting for healing and reconciliation this morning. The person sitting right next to you, or maybe the one in front of you, or it might be that person behind you, they're they're likely waiting for something. And they need this patience of God to do it. There are some people waiting for some serious things this morning in this world. And our waiting may pale in comparison to theirs. But I like to think that we are waiting with them and for them. And in our waiting together, we are praying for God's patience and God's strength. You see, if there are only nine fruit of the Spirit, imagine how significant the fruit of patience must be. It is a gift from God to you and to me, to us. It's a gift that we need as we wait for God's kingdom to come and as we wait for God's will to be done here on earth. Now that's very specific. Here on this dirt. We wait for this as it is in heaven. God grant us the patience to wait the courage to act, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.